Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Those are the moments where your life changes. Those are the moments of excellence. That's where it all happens. And those little decisions where for 15 minutes a day, maybe you do something different than you would have done before. That's all. Those things compound. Hi, it's Joseph. And thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. This episode is part two in our series on how to be bigger than your shadow. Many people hear the unproductive beliefs in their head throughout their day and think they're taking the high road just by looking the other way. But you notice the thoughts and sometimes even the behaviors don't just go away by you ignoring them. How do you show your shadow who's boss in a way that creates real change? Keep listening to find out. This episode is from a recent weekly member webcast. For more information about the many benefits of clear and open membership and how to get the help you need in conversations like this, please go to clearandopen.com. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's dive in. Why is one of the most sophisticated things that, that shadows can get sophisticated with, interested in? Because the there's a presupposition that you have to like understand the why before you can make a change. And that's brilliant shadow stuff, right? I don't understand where this dynamic comes from. And until I do, I can't change anything. You mean you can't set aside a list of realistic tasks for any given day until you understand where the dynamic comes from? Come on. That's simple. We're not talking about plumbing the depths of your childhood wounding and changing the way you relate to your wife or something, you know, we're just talking about task management and that's where it's about putting your foot down. You know, I'm in a new routine of exercising almost every morning, pretty much every morning doing something. And this morning I was really tired and I finished my, I have two things to do in the morning, meditation and exercise. I'd finished meditation. I'm just sitting there and you know what? I could meditate another half hour. I'm really digging, just staring into space. And I don't feel like my body wants to move anywhere. I got a massage yesterday. I'm kind of sore for that, from that. And, um, and there was the moment. Okay, I'm looking at the clock. This is, this is the time when I'm supposed to be exercising. One minute passes. Now I'm one minute late. Now I'm two minutes late. The argument's gone. I don't want to. Yeah, I should. I don't want to. Yeah, I should. It's going back and forth. What about just try? Let's just try. Let's just start five minutes in and see what happens. Because I know exercise 95% of the time gives me more energy than it takes. And if I do it first thing in the morning, it changes my whole day. My shadow doesn't think so. But that's my truth. So that's what we went with. And every time you do that, you make a case against your shadow but it only, only, only happens through action. You have to show it your point of view. You have to show it. Otherwise, nothing changes. 
it's completely content arguing with you about it forever. But I think this, well, I think that, well, I think that. And while you're in this confused battle, your shadow secretly is going, if I keep arguing with them like that, we'll never have to change. You see, when when you argue with a shadow like that, he or she's already won because you've sunk down to that level, you see, because you pee. Your shadow wants to peer eyes with you. The shadow wants to wants you to think that he or she is as powerful as you are. It's sort of like um, in parenting, you know, you can debate with like, say, a teenager to a certain level, but then there's a place you kind of have to feel it. You know, they'll make, you know, I think you should go do this. And then they, well, and then it goes back and forth. And there's a certain point where if you keep arguing, you purize. And, and many parents forget this. They forget that they're actually the boss. And actually, it doesn't matter whether the teenager buys your case or not. They have to do what you say, within reason, of course. And so, you know, the, the right way to, I think, to, to, to treat a teenager, to respect their um, arising self-authority and independence, they want to make a case against, you know, they have a better idea about what should happen or whatever. Fine, they can make a case. But if their case doesn't make sense and they start just wasting your time and spinning wheels and you can tell they're just using it as a deflection, you'd say, I've heard your case. Doesn't make sense to me. Conversation's over now. That's how you treat your shadow. You're curious to hear their information. You're not invalidating their feelings. You know, you might even be curious about what that's about. For, for you, Cody, your shadow somehow really digs the exhausting feeling at the end of the day where he feels like, uh, you know, Superman after a battle with something that almost killed him or something. You know, he, he's getting some of that, something out of that. On one day, maybe you'll get curious enough to take the time to explore what that is, have him write a letter or something. But that's not going to stop you. You know, otherwise he's more powerful, like the teenager, like, uh, hey, I don't have time to discuss with you what the issue you have is with feeding the, you know, pets in the morning. That's your chore. It's going to happen right now. We'll talk later about what the issue is for you. We're not going to endlessly debate about it right now. You know, watch out for purizing with your shadow or letting your shadow purize with you is more accurate because that's what they want to do. They want to be like, we're on the same team. You know, we're kind of the same person. No, that's how it tricks you. It's very much like all of the devil lore, you know, all and all the, um, mythical uh, depictions of, of Satan. So it always seems like a good guy with your best interests at heart, smooth talking, makes a lot of sense. It's the same kind of thing. Deal looks like it's in your best interest. Just hit the snooze bar a few more times. You're tired. Wait, but I read that that sleep actually isn't restful at all. Yeah, but it feels really restful. <laughs> And I may, may be, I may be making it sound easy, but of course it's the hardest thing in the world. It's like, it feels like picking yourself up by your shoelaces. But if you just know that it's, you know, those are the moments where your life changes. Those are the moments of excellence. That's where it all happens. And those little decisions 
where for 15 minutes a day, maybe you do something different than you would have done before. That's all. Those things compound. And you do it enough times, and your shadow's like, well, I guess I'm not going to fight on that front anymore. Cody's right. You know, uh, getting a reason, re- reasonable amount of stuff done in a day, planning it, that's better. You've got to show it. And, and make a project out of it. Today, I'm going to teach my shadow about having realistic expectations. Are you inspired, Cody? Absolutely. Okay, good. I'm just trying to plan out how I'm going to do it. And I think I might do that. I might make it a project. Yeah, it's do that. Yeah, really, like when you notice you're in contradiction about something, it could be whether to get a cat or not. You know, I mean, it could be anything. You want to make a real project out of that. That's self care to like, well, okay, I'm in contradiction. Mm-hmm. I'm in contradiction about whether to get a cat or not. That's where that came from. Yeah. Actually, I want two cats. <laughs> and the contradiction is, I love cats, but the last time I had a cat, he died in like the worst possible time in my life. And it was like one of the most traumatic events of the last 10 years. So I know in my head that, well, that's not a healthy reason to not get a cat, you know, because this, that was three years ago, a healthy person would have moved on by now or, and, or there's more to digest from that where I'm still sort of scarred from that experience. And there's a part of me that is contracting that is like, I don't want to go through that hell again. And that's a contraction from life because death is a part of life. So what, because it was so painful, I'm never going to ever have an animal again because I don't want to, because a part of me, see what I did there? Almost said I, because a part of me doesn't think he can handle what, you know, the truth of how life is and that sometimes you love things and then they die and that's hard and that's life but there's a part of me that wants to insulate me from that. That's kind of significant. You see how that's not about a cat? That's about my relationship to life itself. So that's a project. Every time I see a cat, every time I think about it, I feel into, okay, what's, what's remaining there? That's a significant thing because my contraction from life can show up anywhere and does. So these are... These can show up as small things. Your shadow wants to think that they're small things. Oh, it's just a cat. You're too busy to have a cat. There's too many things to do around here. Oh, you mean it's not because of all of that hell that is like right under the surface of, and all that pain that's still there when I think about the death of that cat? It's not because of that? No, no, nothing to see here. And that's how nothing ever changes. What if it's my, what if I go on Craigslist to get a cat from someone and it turns out to be the love of my life or the next big client or whatever? It could be anything, right? It's a contraction from life. It's a contraction from destiny. It's a contraction from you. You can't know what you're missing. But we've all had that experience where you follow some intuition or you go a little bit out of your comfort zone and somehow your life totally changes. That's how, this is how you become available to that. It's a really interesting thing, like the whole contracting from life piece. John and I were discussing something of that nature uh, yesterday. And the thing that I asked John was, you know, we should be asking ourselves the question of like, what fear are you currently pursuing? Because Mm -hmm. if you're not pursuing a fear or doing something that makes you afraid, then you're just 
you're not going anywhere. Like you're just stagnant. As the great Bob Dylan said, he who is not busy being born is busy dying. I think that from a personal, and I asked myself that, you know, there's a few things that are like different degrees of uncomfortable that I'm, I'm pursuing or doing or, or trying to figure out. Um, but it, it's an interesting, it's interesting to look at it from like a project of like self-analysis, I guess. So mm-hmm. just to kind of, um, yeah. Or just like getting to know yourself. Let's take the psychological edge off a little bit. Like, do you want to get to know yourself? Well, doing something you're afraid of is like the best way to do that. Yeah. I think what's interesting is even to break it down across different categories of your life too, and figure out like, and I don't know if uh, (laughs) part of this is kind of the, um, the thing that Cody brought up of like trying to get everything done all at once. Um, I, I have much the same issue, but so I don't know whether it's something that you can do simultaneously or not, but if you break down like, you know, professional category, um, family or friends mm-hmm. or, or whatever, and then identify specific things within each one of those categories that are those fear things for you. And yeah. Nice. Go after those mm-hmm. and see what comes out of it. I think that'd be an interesting project. Yeah. That's how you're talking about it is like as an experimenter where you're both the scientist and the lab rat in your own life. Yeah. And just the way you phrased it, the contracting from life. Like, I think that's a really easy thing for us to do as people. Because oh, it's we, the default. Yeah. Like, right. And so the thing that's, that's interesting too, is that the older we get, the more that we want to do that. And therefore our circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And I, I think we've discussed this before. You know, I look at my parents and my parents have a very, very small circle because now they're in their uh, late 50s, 60s. And they have not done that. They've, Well, you get better at what you practice. Yeah. It's descriptively true that the older you get, the dot, 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 but I don't know if that's absolutely true. What what I'd say is you get better at what you practice. True, yeah. There's some biological stuff too about, you know, you get more practical and less physically elastic. So you're probably, or your mind is probably less elastic too, but you just get better at what you practice. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.